Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for Sports Talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome inside Around the Dial, the best in your sports talk for Thursday, May the 23rd. I'm your host, D.A. Tonight, Game 5. Huge game of the Eastern Conference Finals. It's 2-2, and the Milwaukee Bucks have not looked good over the last two games. If they lose this one, they threaten to go back to Toronto down 3-2, having lost all of the momentum in this series. One person has certainly gotten to the heads of the Milwaukee Bucks as a whole and the city of Milwaukee. That would be Drake, who was just the biggest annoyance ever courtside for the Raptors. Here's Chuck and Winkler on 105.7, the fan in Wisconsin. Do we know what the text code is for when there's an unruly fan? You know, you see it at Miller Park. I think you see it at Pfizer. There should be. When they say, if you're having a problem, text this. I would say it's probably on their website, maybe. I'm looking it up right now. I don't see it. Yeah. So, in other words, every time he stands up, fans should text that line. Yes, that's a good way of doing it. So, what I'll do is I'm going to keep looking for that unless somebody knows. I don't know how you know that off the top of your head. But when you go there tonight, if you could see it, let me know. Yes. I'll tweet it out. Yeah. And then people can text the number. And the Bucks don't fix the problem. If Drake is there at all, if he is, we're going to flood the text. But, hey, that's what these text things are for, right? To, yeah. For an unruly fan. So if they're getting 4,000 of these, okay, the Bucks better do something about it. And I would think that the Bucks of yeah. the NBA should know about this. By, I would think they are, unless they got their head up their ass again uh, with this. Um, and if, if, if Adam Stern, or Adam Stern, Adam Silver laughs this off, then he's not doing his job. So if 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 he shows up, we will uh, get that text code and we'll tweet it out, and then everybody, even if you're at home, you can be at home yeah. and just text that uh, Drake's being unruly, and then sure. we'll get him removed yeah. out of there. Yeah, you see him from home, text. Yeah, because we get him fixed. Get him, we we got the Bucks back. I I know that. Well, the Bucks want to know when there's problems, and this is the problem. Yeah, so he comes here and starts doing that stuff. That's the plan tonight. I, I can't see him though. Could you? Uh, him and well, Dan and Racine call and says guarantee. He's no, there. no, 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 no. I'm saying, could you see him doing the same antics in our gym as he did his gym? Because uh, he's going to get no. a lot of heat if he starts doing it in our place. I think the fans are going to be on him. Game five could be the biggest game in the last 20 years since the last biggest game, which was two days ago. Two days ago, <laughs> and will be the next biggest game until two days from now. Yeah. Man, there ain't no way Drake is showing up in Milwaukee. He knows better than that. Even though Wisconsin fans are good people 
Even though they are very friendly and warm, they're not going to take kindly to Drake, and Drake is a coward. So we all know this. That guy's not showing up. No way, no how, because he's a fake tough guy. Let's just hope they put Drake at his place tonight. Trey Young made the all-NBA first-team rookie squad because he had a tremendous rookie season, and he'll forever be compared with Luka Doncic, who had an amazing season himself for the Dallas Mavericks, considering that's a guy in the spot in the draft last year that the Hawks could have had. But I don't know if many Hawks fans are lamenting the move these days since Trey Young is a pretty popular guy in town. In fact, they're trying to decide on his nickname these days. Here is Trey Young on 92.9 The Game in Atlanta with Andy and Randy. When we were talking about we were teasing ahead, telling people that you were coming on, and I, I called you Trey T.L., and my co-host Randy told me I can't call you that. I didn't say he couldn't call you that, Trey. I said we can't we can't call each you that on the show. Oh, what well, do you what do you feel okay with that nickname? Do you like? Is it tremendous? What do you feel most most comfortable with? Yeah, I mean, I, I get uh, I get both. I got uh, Trey T L a lot throughout the the season. Um, I get I get Ice Trey a lot. Mm. Uh, <laughs> ice Trey, ah, those those are, those are two. Uh, <laughs> For sure, I get. Well, you seem to like Ice Trey because you show. Didn't you show so up like to a game? Like you showed up like to a game in like some icy colored shoes and like carrying a little like briefcase or something with icies in it. Am I am I incorrect about that? Yeah, yeah, that's that's what. <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't know if you guys heard the the Migos song uh, Ice Trey. Uh, everybody has everybody really just related that song back to me, and everybody just calls me that throughout the city and everywhere I go here. So. Um, I mean that's that's kind of how Adidas and everybody got onto that that mm-hmm. kind of uh, wave, and they they did some creative things for me walking into the game one time. Okay, well, Trey, Trey uh, last one for me. And you you mentioned the name earlier in Vince Carter, and I, and I always said how good he was as a uh, as a professional, true pro pro for a young team like yours. And somehow he brings that leadership. From now on, Trey, it seems like you're going to be leaned on for that leadership, being the point guard, probably being the face of this franchise. Uh, are you ready to accept that kind of responsibility? And if so, how will you go about doing it? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I definitely uh, know the position I'm in. And, I mean, the, the leadership standpoint, I have to – I mean, I need to bring from – I mean, even more here on out. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think me coming back early in the offseason, me being here from – when everybody else got here, uh, I think that's something that, I mean, I wanted to do as, as far as being a leader as well um, and just showing everybody that, I mean, I, I wanted to come and, and be around the team, build that camaraderie even more and just be around everybody. I think that's, that's I mean, there's a little step that I'm, I'm trying to take to be even more of a leader too. I hear you. Trey Young joining us here on the Midday Show with Andy and Randy. I think the answer that you gave to the question about first-team all-rookie was very – a very point guard answer because the first thing you did was talk about Kevin Herter, yeah. and that, that that's something that that we all have enjoyed about you your first years, both as a personality but also as a player being very unselfish. Is that something that you think can help recruit other big name players to come play here in Atlanta? You, you look, you've elevated your name to a certain level in the NBA right now, but you're a guy who wants to get other people involved. Is that something that big name free agents could potentially be attracted to? For sure, I think anybody. I think. I mean, if you're if you're looking to to have the ball in your hands, if you're looking to to to, to score a lot of points, I think. Uh, I mean, a lot of the players in the, the league know. I mean, if you come play with me, I'm gonna make sure uh, I get you the ball. 
And uh, I think that's something that attracts a lot of players, a lot of players in general. And um, I think that that's something that can carry over not only to, to this offseason, but even later offseason when other yep. guys uh, want to come play too. Mm-hmm. So I think it's pretty cool. Ice tray. I like it. I get I get ice tray a lot. Mm. Uh, ice tray, yeah. It's kind of a throwback to the 80s and 90s when nicknames were a little bit more creative than just somebody's initials or like A-Rod or something like that. You know, it feels like it could be on a poster with Trey Young in front of a refrigerator or a big giant freezer, ice melting around him. It just feels like it has a lot of potential in that area. In baseball, there's nothing better than a good feud. And what we know is that Adam Eaton and Todd Frazier really hate one another. It's nice. Those two used to be teammates in Chicago for the White Sox, but when they played between the Nationals and the Mets earlier this week, we saw some intense conversation, to say the least, between the two. So where does this stem from? Well, let's go to the Windy City and the score in Chicago with Mully and Haw. What is going on between Adam Eaton and Frazier? Adam Eden was great to me. He actually, you know, in terms of a, a White Sox player and someone who uh, was so accommodating from a media perspective, and I know White Sox fans are like, we don't care, just produce. He was a great guy. He clearly had problems in that clubhouse. And when you hear Todd Frazier say, you can ask 23 other guys in the clubhouse about him, so that would be, okay, you can ask Adam Eden, who's the 25th? It's Chris Sale. What happened in, what's happening right now with this White Sox team all goes back to 2016. Yep. And people said at the time, why, we can't rebuild. Why would you, so for, the, for the people who are not on board with this, rebuild said, you have this nucleus of talent. You should be able to win with this group of players. Well, there were two things going on. One, there was no, not enough depth in the organization to sustain anything with that group of talent. Okay, that's one thing. Maybe what they could have done if the nucleus was strong, they could have tried again in 2017 and brought in more veterans to try and help. What happened was those veterans you're talking about, Sale and Eaton, okay, those are the big voices in that clubhouse, and we're seeing the kind of you know, problems that were arising. You had the Drake LaRoche thing happen. You oh. had Sale cutting up the jerseys. And then Todd Frazier was brought in along with other veterans, but he was the guy. They brought in in 2016. They wanted him to be a leader in that clubhouse to kind of show them the way. He shows up, and what does he walk into? He walks into a hornet's nest in spring training where you see the, break, the, the Drake and Adam LaRoche thing. You see Todd Frazier not having a, an ability to lead because of Adam Eaton and Sale was the voice of that clubhouse. And the Sox, after that season, and the amazing thing, they started 23-10. and 10, Right. But then the dysfunction that was going on, this team did not have the trust amongst each other when things hit the you-know-what. So all that was taken into account, and the Sox at that point were like, at the end of the season, we can't win with these guys. We need to reboot this whole thing and start over. Okay, Chuck, Adam Eaton was not so great to me. So my perspective is much different than yours. Uh, he was a guy that was a tool in my book and was not somebody that I, I, I totally understand where Todd Frazier is coming from and where maybe 23 other guys. But when you look back to that season and when you guys talked about this on your podcast, which I think dropped last night, was there one incident? Was there uh, several incidents? Some people point to something happened in August that maybe they had to be separated. Was that the impetus for the, the I guess, what, what's still going on now, the feud that still kind of lingers? Yeah, there were, it, that was the big one. 
they had a fight in the clubhouse. Physical? At, what's that? A physical fight. Uh, I don't know how physical it was. My guess is it was physical. <laughs> I'm, punches were thrown, but I don't know 100% how it all went down um, and what it looked like. And, but what I do know is very soon after that fight, I walked into the clubhouse. Adam, I'd, and I'd heard about this so-called fight. Uh, Adam had moved his locker like way down, like seven or eight, no, ten uh, lockers down, and was trying to make it out to be like, well, you know, it's so cold over there. It's a lot warmer over here. I was right under a vent, and you could tell that was, you know, not exactly the truth. Um, many things happened that year. I don't want to get into all of it because I, it's not m- m- for me to say. Um, and it, but it was Adam did not make himself very popular in that clubhouse. And Frazier took a lot of it personally. They clearly had a fight. And here we are three years later. They still have issues with each other. Ah, so it all stems from one of the most dysfunctional years ever for any baseball franchise in recent memory. Right. Uh-huh. Chris Sale cutting up jerseys, kids in the locker room, people getting traded, the general manager needing to defend kids in the locker room. Got real weird there in Chicago. Real weird. Real weird. So, got it. Okay. That's where it stems. That's good to know. In Houston, not great news for one of the important players on the Houston Texans defense. As Jadavion Clowney apparently will not show up to camp until September. He might not show up until week one of the regular season. Apparently unhappy with his contract. Ah, yes, we've heard this story before. Let's go to Houston. Sports Radio 610 and the Triple Threat. You are close with Clowney Circle. What What's the latest that you've been hearing on Jadeveon Clowney's situation? Well, from what I've been hearing from people close to, to him is that uh, you should not expect him. We shouldn't expect him until September. Um, that would be week one of the regular so season. Be week one of the regular season. He is not expected to come to training camp as of yesterday. So I had a good conversation with some guys yesterday, and they said we probably should not expect him until September. Um, it was some interesting comments going back and forth on on the reasons why. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think it's a surprise, too much of a surprise. Um, I've spoken to some people close to or in the organization of the Texans, um, excuse me, Texas organization, and they kind of had a um, – understanding that this possibly could happen. This normally what happens when you have a guy with a kind of can sign a franchise tag or whatnot, but he will not, as of yesterday, he will not be here until September. That's what I'm, I'm told. I'm sure he's disappointed that he doesn't have a long-term deal in place. Would you say he's upset? Yes. I'm, one of the things that came up yesterday when I had a conversation um, was that they are trying to give him linebacker money. So with that being said, you can have a, a picture in your head of what the numbers are for linebackers compared to defensive ends. Right? Sure. So I think that's the biggest uh, difference between the two sides right now is linebacker money and defensive end money. What what does he think he should get and what are they offering? See, I thought that was resolved when they wrote him that check late last season. Well, it was for last season. And just for, to, to give a little back, you know, 30 seconds of background on yeah, that, he had a fifth-year option last year that was at an outside linebacker number. Mm-hmm. And they, the Texans ended up making it right with him by paying the difference between a linebacker and a defensive end last season. The franchise tag he's under this year is a linebacker franchise tag number because 
the Texans don't really have a choice over that. That's a league thing, but if he winds up playing enough snaps at defensive end, they can, like they did last year, Bus Cook and Clowney can appeal. The Texans can make it right. I just want to confirm what I think we're hearing from you, Cecil, is that the Texans don't really control whether it's a franchise tag, linebacker, or defensive end. Are you talking about more the the long-term contract? The long-term deal. Like so the, the, the multi-year extension yes. the Texans have been proposing linebacker numbers and Clowney and his camp want defensive end numbers. Yes, they 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 are they have two different ways of looking at it from what, from what I'm hearing. They are offering him a long-term deal, and from what I'm hearing, it's linebacker-type money. Yeah. And he wants a long-term deal worth a defensive end type of situation, type, okay. type of contract. Okay, so let, just to, to give it some context number-wise here, because the guys we've been continually comparing Clowney to – are, are guys like, I mean, obviously Donald and Mack are top of market. Right. Probably more appropriately, Demarcus Lawrence and Frank, Frank Clark, Clark. Yep. who got both got around $63, 65000000 million guaranteed. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then there's D Ford, who is a, he is an outside linebacker. Now yep. he's a pass rusher, but he's an outside linebacker. D Ford was down in that $33, $35 million guaranteed range. There's big a big difference. There's a big and, and I'll be honest with you, if I'm Clowney and the Texans are offering closer to D Ford than Demarcus Lawrence, I would be kind of, I'd be kind of PO'd as well. Look, I understand in football there's not a ton of ways to make a lot of money because it's not like an individual sport like Major League Baseball or even the NBA where there's enormous guaranteed contracts for six, seven, eight, ten years, sometimes even longer when it comes to a guy like Bryce Harper. So get your money however you get your money, especially early in your career. I totally get it. Jadavion Clowney looking for that right now. But has Jadavion Clowney really lived up to where he was drafted and the hype coming out of college and being teamed and tandemed with J.J. Watt on the other side of that defensive line? I mean, people said they were unguardable, and that really never was the case. Clowney has been good at times, but very injury-prone. Who knows how committed he is? Who knows how he takes care of his body? So I don't know if this strategically makes a lot of sense for the Texans to break the bank for Clowney, even if he doesn't show up until week one. College basketball. Michigan was left at the altar by John Beeline, meaning they had a scramble in May for their next head coach. They ended up landing on former Fab Five member Jawan Howard, assistant coach of the Miami Heat. How surprising is it that they hired a guy that had no head coaching experience and no coaching experience, period, in college? Here's 97-1, the ticket with Jamie and Stoney. Got to say it's a surprising move to me. Uh, it's not surprising now after a week of speculation on it, but I remember, I think it was the day that John Beeline announced he was leaving. Yeah. You suggested they should talk to Jawan Howard. Right. Talk to him. And I kind of rolled my eyes at it because I was like, Jawan Howard? I, it's just To me, that just seems really gimmicky. Now, a lot of people have come out in support of Jawan Howard. A lot of former Michigan Wolverines back in the 90s. Mm -hmm. A lot of NBA people like LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, who played for Juwan, Eric Spolstra, the head coach that Juwan coached under at uh, Miami. Um, I'm just going to reiterate the things I question. The guy's never been a head coach before, and he's never been a, a college coach before. Those are two very legitimate concerns to me. I can't sit here and honestly say he's not going to do it. I mean, maybe he will. Maybe maybe he'll be one of those guys who is just meant to, to coach, meant to coach in college, and will have a great success. I, I can't sit here and say, oh, he's going to fail for sure. Now, nobody can say that, Jamie, because nobody knows. Yeah. All right, I agree with you. It is very curious that they would hire a guy who has never been a head coach before, and I know, you know, he coached their summer league team. I think that's... 
uh, to me, that's not a good barometer whether a guy's going to be a great head coach or not. In college, especially. Yes. He got, you know, rave reviews from his bosses, Eric Spolstra and, and Pat Riley. Uh, Duncan Robinson, former Michigan player, played for the Miami Heat this past year. Loved, we, we mentioned yesterday the quote, he, he liked them. He endorsed it. Derek Walton, an, another former Wolverine, played under him at Miami for a little bit, liked it. So it's getting overwhelming support from players in the basketball community. I would love to see a truth serum from some college coaches that are sitting there going, what the heck's going on here? Uh, I know there are some people who are against this. Ah, it's just a gimmick or it's just a PR move or it's a political move where you're trying to, they're trying to bring back the fab five. I don't buy, I don't buy that for a second that they're trying to bring back the fab five. That means, that means nothing to me. Uh, the question is, can he coach? We don't know. Hopefully, whether it's Yaklich, who I really hope stays, or other, you know, a highly regarded assistant coach, you know, because he's never done this before. He needs staff. And I'm not even talking about the game stuff. I mean, compliance with recruiting, just a lot of the things, the little things that we don't even know about that go on. You know, how's he going to be with, with, with the media? He has, somebody has to show him right. the way. Yeah, and but I think... I, I'm glad you brought up the Fab Five-ness of it because if I'm Juwan Howard, when I sit down next week, and he's going to be asked about it, and there will be there, the inevitable Chris question will come up and the reunion and all that crap, I, I really hope he says, I'm here to coach the 2019-2020 Michigan Wolverines. That was 20 years ago. I'm proud that I played here. I'm proud of Michigan. I'm proud of what we accomplished. I know there was some controversy, but that's not what I'm about. You know, I mean, it, it that's irrelevant. It really is. I mean, obviously, since he hasn't had a great deal of experience coaching, the cameras have not been trained on him a lot. So a lot of the B-roll you see on ESPN or on Channel 7 or Channel 2 is of Juwan as a Fab Fiver. Juwan shocking the world. Juwan celebrating in Lexington when they beat Ohio State. Okay, yeah, that's part of his past. I think it's a huge risk. Enormous risk. I know that Juwan Howard has the name brand recognition, and he was part of the glory days of the Fab Five. But the Michigan program's really good. And the Michigan program has played for two national championships. The Michigan program has options. And to take a guy that's never done this before, careful. Because we've seen it not work at St. John's with Chris Mullen. We really don't know how it's going to work at Georgetown with Patrick Ewing yet. We know that Anthony Hardaway can recruit, but we don't know if it ends up equating to wins on the floor in Memphis. So is it a good move? I mean, I think a lot of people respect Jawan Howard, but there's a lot that goes into college coaching that I think you have to kind of learn when you're on the bench of a college coach or you've been a head coach at some point in your career. Finally, in New York, all seemed lost for the Mets coming off of the weekend. They got swept by the lowly Marlins. Yuenis Cespedes reportedly stepped in a pothole and broke his ankles on his ranch, and Mickey Callaway was about to get fired. Well, in three days, things have changed as the Mets took the first three of their series against the Washington Nationals. And so now things feel a little bit better around Queens, maybe even so for the manager. Here's Mickey Calloway on with Mike Francesa on WFAN in New York. 
last week, rough week. You get home, you get a vote of confidence. First, what did that mean to you? You know what? I, I always kind of felt that way from the front office. I mean, it's nice to, to come out and hear, just given the narrative that was out there. It's it's nice for the for the players to get to hear that. For myself, because we need to go out there and relax and try to win games. We can't be worried about external things. We know they're going to creep in from time to time, but we want to do our best to, to block all that out. And uh, I'm glad it was addressed. You got hit hard in a lot of places, and by me too, for not disciplining. You know, in retrospect, did you do the right thing? And if you did, tell me why. Yeah, you know what? We, we, have, we have conversations, internal conversations with these guys that, that no one knows about. Did he not run balls out? Yes. Um, he's got to be better than that. He understands that. We saw him hit a double the other night. He had his fastest first to second time in his career, I think, uh, per, per StatCast, or at least since StatCast has been um, going on. So he understands it. He understands that that can't happen, and he knows the bind that uh, he put the whole organization in. You know, when you do stuff like that, you have to have tough conversations, and, and sometimes, uh, you know, there's going to be this, frenzy out there that doesn't need to be there and it's a and it's a distraction and it can't happen um at any time in the last week and then i'll get on to the last two games which were more positive any time in the last week when things got bad did this team see or hear your anger you, you, they hear my anger a lot you know it's it's just something that uh it usually happens one-on-one um you know i really don't believe in you know blowing the place up i think what that does is just make me feel good for, for 30 minutes, and, and it's not productive. So, you know, when I have to have tough conversations, I get angry, and it's usually one-on-one. I don't believe in showing guys up in front of others, and, uh, you know, many a player has, uh, has felt that uh, over the years, and I'll continue to do that, and I'll, I'll continue to do the other in the right way in the right setting. All right, three things. Uh, first of all, McNeil, I'm not in the lineup tonight. Uh, will he play tomorrow afternoon, or is it worse than that? It, we we don't know yet, to tell you the truth. We're just trying to get through the day and, and see how he does during the game with treatment, and then we'll see how he comes in in the morning. Um, you know, it's, it's serious, serious enough where we can't use him today, and that and that's going to hurt us. All right, three things that have come out today. Uh, let's talk about them. Number one, Diaz will not be limited to one-inning saves. What's your pl- new plan? You know, obviously today, since he's thrown a couple days in a row, you're not going to see him out there for four outs or, or, you know, two innings in a tie ball game if he has an efficient first inning. But, you know, we, we sat down after the game last night. Our last two games were opportunities where we might have been able to use him for four outs, and it made it tough on us because we didn't get to do that. So, you know, where we're at, where we're at in the standings, where we've been playing as a ball club, we need this guy to, to get more than three outs. And, and we Is he like a willing participant? Is he oh, willing? Yeah. Okay. The marriage between Brody Van Wagenen and Mickey Callaway was always weird from the start because the new GM in Brody inherited Callaway from the previous GM. And that's always an awkward situation because, you know, he wasn't picked out by the front office that currently employs him. But firing Callaway now doesn't solve anything because, let's face it, it's a lot of players that just haven't been getting it done. Jairus Familia has been a disaster. Robinson Cano has not lived up to what he's been able to supposed to do compared to other years and where we thought he could still be productive. And honestly, how much of that is on Mickey Calloway? I mean, to me, it's a lot less on the manager than it is on the roster that was assembled, the money that was spent, and the players on the field actually getting it done. But for now, Calloway is safe. But there's always another day and another drama in New York Mets land. That'll do it for Thursday, May the 23rd. We'll see you tomorrow, everyone. 
Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.